1: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: You're listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, your home for fly fishing in the backcountry. This is episode 91 with Nick Fiorini on putting the fun back in fishing. Um. I just love to hear how you got your start in fly fishing.
0: Um... I was young. Uh, my dad introduced it to me when I was uh, like maybe like six. Like we had a little pond in front of my house and caught like you know like the little bluegill, which are man, they're so powerful on like a two weight. Um, and that kind of transferred. We had a lot of great trout fishing uh, in West Virginia, and um, it's actually getting recognized. It seems like more and more. And uh, it was great. So I had a bike and a dog, and not a lot of kids around where I lived that were into it. So it was just me, and I would just poke around and all sorts of places and, uh, maybe not a lot of them were public, but, um, when you're like 14, like, you know, they just smile at you. And right. You like <laughs> offer to do like some lawn work or something like, you know, in petty trade and, uh, they kind of see you're a good kid just kind of fish in and try to stay out of trouble. So, um, that's kind of how I got into it. And then I moved to Jackson and, uh, basically in 2019 or no, 2011, um, when I was 19 years old. And uh, uh, I read a book uh, about my great uncle um, in the 1940s. Uh, he was a Finwick pro and he kind of would fly people from Seattle into BC and Alaska. and guy like John Wayne and Bing Crosby and all these super famous people. And uh, I read it as a kid. And I'm like, hey, no, I want to go give it a shot. And I had like other plans kind of go to California and ski and then uh hang out with some buddies and they all fell through it didn't work out so i moved to jackson like uh limb and um basically not left um <laughs> so i ended up just uh fishing and being a trout bum for years working in uh pizza shops uh you know lawn care did basically whatever and i uh, would try to strategize to have like three-day windows and four-day windows where i could go fish and hike and backpack and um, I didn't really want to guide for the, like my early twenties. I was kind of more into just like, I was like, wow, like, you know, like I would like to go fish and like kind of seems like none of these guys get to fish. And, uh, so I did that for a while. And then I worked at snake river angler for Will Dornan for, uh, one year and, uh, in the shop. And, uh, it was great. We had an awesome crew and it was just a really cool vibe. We had a great time and that kind of transformed me into being like, Oh, like maybe I could, Maybe I should guide. Like, kind my might be my thing. And uh, Buddy chased a girl down to Denver and left his boat in my driveway. And uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. Like One of the managers found out. And he's like, you have a boat? And I'm like, yeah, like, you kind of have a boat now. And he's just like, well, you got to guide. And uh, I'm like, okay. He's like, well, you can guide like on your weekends. And you can work in the shop four days a week. And you can uh, guide three days a week. So it was like I was like oh okay so work seven days a week, I was like, He's right. like, yeah. I'm like okay, <laughs> so I would work nights, uh, like waiting tables, working the shop in the morning, um, and then my days off I would guide, and uh, ended up liking just guiding so much that like I didn't take any days off and bought the boat like outright for my buddy and uh, went to the shop and they're like yeah you should probably just guide not working the shop anymore. <laughs> i was like cool so then uh i worked there for two more years and um kind of got recruited over to grand teton fly fishing um and that's a really great show i get to work along like scott smith and josh galvin who um, tom montgomery some some really kind of really cool people so um, it's cool to be kind of on the water and sometimes in the shop at the right times like once a year that we all get to see each other <laughs> so it's a cool crew um But yeah, I just bounce around and do all that kind of stuff.
2: Now, was it it all it was cracked up to be, to be a a trout bum, like before you guided, when you were truly just, you know, like scraping by, making what money you could just so you could go fish? Like, was that that worth it?
0: Oh, I resent those days. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were some of the best, um, you know, like some of, I mean, yeah, bring tears to your eyes kind of thing. You're just like, wow, like, you know, like being like a actual dirt bag and, uh, you know, just making a buy, making life around it and, uh, being a diehard, just, just fishing on your own and just focusing on your own fishing is, uh, is pretty incredible. Um, that's how you get your, I feel like I tell people all the time, like, you gotta get your 10,000 hours. And, uh, I'm like, if you want to feel like you're really competent, something like 10,000 hours, and you don't get that without putting in the time.
2: Do you think because you said that you were initially kind of like hesitant to guide, but then you've since found out that you actually like it? Do you think that having those, having that little bit of time where you, you, you didn't have to worry about it as a job and you could just enjoy it? Like, do you think that allowed you to now enjoy like fishing through other people because you feel like you've almost like gotten it out of your system? Like, I've had my time to fish and now you know like watching somebody else catch their first fish is like just as exciting to you. Whereas I can see like a new angler like doesn't really care about watching someone else catch their first fish, but. Once you've caught enough fish yourself, you can kind of like put yourself in that new mindset where now you're just as excited to like get someone else on that fish. Yeah,
0: I mean that's exactly how I look at it, and um, that's, that's how all, every guide should look at it. Um, if you don't get that time before you're a guide to like enjoy that period, I feel like that's when guides burn out. And just, uh, like jealous. they just yeah, they're just like they're not jealous, but like you know they just they just never like you know they never built up that like. That fun period and like you know like jumping around and fishing all these different fisheries and stuff and you know when you guide like you know a lot of people they get stuck on the same fisheries for you know so many times so many so many days in a row or maybe even some days like multiple days on the same stretch like day after day after day and it burns you out and uh i feel like you know i when i try to talk to like people that are young like 19 or 18 they want to get in the guide i'm like no like be a trout bum, we're going to shop, like build, build your way up. Like it's, it's going to be a better outrun, um, than just like straight going into guiding and working every day and <laughs> like, you know, being frustrated sometimes when people aren't as competent as they thought they were, right. or, you, know, <laughs> you know? So it is what it is. But, um, yeah, I have a couple of guys that I've talked to over the years that are going to be fantastic guys, and one kid in general that I really like. Um, he uh, basically just, you know, he was very hesitant towards it. and I'm almost like glad because I'm like, you know, I'm like, what did you do this summer? He's like, oh man, like I went did this, I did that, and I was like, yeah, like these are the years that like you should, and like then you kind of grow and you kind of see what you did when, you know, on your own, maybe when you did something stupid, and then you know, maybe when you're guiding, you're like, oh, I kind of did that when on my own, I probably shouldn't do it that way. So you learn. I mean, it's a learning aspect.
2: I feel like everybody when they're in their, I don't know, like college age or like very early 20s should have some sort of experience like that. For me, it actually was guiding because I only guided like very seasonally, like in the summer. So it wasn't a full time job. I didn't need the money. Um, I didn't get burnt out because it was so short. Um, But it was like all the guides living in this like terrible little house like crammed and there's someone like sleeping in the kitchen and like you I feel like everyone should have some sort of experience like that in their early 20s or, or even younger like in their 18 to 22 range um where you're just like barely scraping by but you're having like the absolute time of your life doing it um it's just like I don't know I would I would not want to be in that place right now but I look back on it so fondly and I um feel bad for people who didn't like have that that experience <laughs>
0: I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm doing too much better than I was then, <laughs> um, but um, just because of the place that we live in is, you know, Jackson, and it is what it is at this point. we don't even need to get into that because it seems like everybody else does in every other scenario, but it's expensive to live here. And uh, it is, you know, we take, you know, it keeps getting more expensive. So um
2: I think to live in a place like that, you've got to make some sacrifices. Really, like, you're getting you to, you're exactly. getting yeah, so much back from that. So yeah,
0: yeah. if you stay angry about it, you're only going to stay. <laughs> angry
2: about it. So. so do you guide year round, or uh, do, do you um, switch to do something else in the winter?
0: Uh, no, I, I kind of plow snow, or or run a you know a hand shovel like a shovel driveways and stuff. Uh, I like to say that I shovel H two O year round. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know paddles or a shovel, either one or the other. Um, but uh, basically, I start guiding in like the end of February a little bit. Okay, um, we get some windows on the Snake River here in Jackson, um, where I just like put my raft together and slip it in over the snow banks. and we get some really incredible, some probably the best fishing of the year. Um, honestly, really, yeah, it's incredible midge hatches, and um, it seems like a lot of people. It's a lot of work to probably get your raft out in the middle of winter you know, get something to it, slide in over the snow, figure out how to get it out of the river, which is a lot harder than getting into the river. Um, but uh, if you do kind of figure out these little ways around it and there's, you know, we have a low snow year, we get really, really amazing fishing. Um, so I usually start doing that a little bit at the end of February, um, do about 15 trips through March. Um, try to do a little traveling in March uh, before like the season takes off. Cause I head down to Thermopolis, Wyoming, for about three months, and leave my wife here in Jackson. So, try to make a little time for her and me, and um, you know, go to foreign country or something, go do some fishing. And uh, so we do that, and then I go to Thermopolis, Wyoming, the central part of the state, for three months, and guide uh, Wind River Canyon for Darren Calhoun. Um, and that's a phenomenal fishery, and we have a you know a lodge setting there, and we also have the Bighorn River, which is exceptionally phenomenal river so um and no real major cities close so it's a really cool it's a really cool place um so i'm really fortunate to have that aspect so i spend about three months down there and come back the end of real end of june tail end of june um, start guiding in pinedale wyoming via jackson um so that's where my drives start like the, the old two-hour drive to work every day and back uh, kind of scenario so do that for about six weeks and then I pop back here for in Jackson and fish the snake uh, when the fish are going to coming out of the springs and into the main part of the river. Um, fish that for a couple of weeks and I fish Crowheart, Wyoming in that period of time, too, um, which is like the wind river, upper wind river stretches, uh, the freestone stretches on the Indian Reservation. Um, it'd be like northern spot of the reservation and uh, do that a little bit. That's awesome. Um we're like kind of the only people allowed to float there unless you're enrolled tribal member. So when we like put in, in the morning, no matter what time it is, like, I like look at people and I'm like, you can look upstream all day. But like nobody's going to be there. Um, it's like kind of our place today. And um, there's low density fish there, but really cool. So I do that and then head back to Jackson for September. Um, usually just do my same people I fished with since the, like the first year I ever fished. Uh, same dates every year <laughs> so i do that one and then i go back down to thermopolis for october so i'm like all over the place um that's why when we try to t- chat it's usually it was a little tough
2: <laughs> yeah no that makes a lot of sense now you, you're you like everywhere every every like month you're somewhere else the thermopolis yeah. is, is bringing up like bad memories for me that my one memory of thermopolis was getting my my one and only speeding ticket on christmas day for going 38 in a 30 <laughs> And I was like, can't you just cut me some slack on Christmas for going 38 miles an hour? Like, come on.
0: Probably in Shoshone. Yeah, probably right there in Shoshone before the turn. There's always somebody there. Yeah. If you go just a little bit over, they'll get you too. <laughs> so many clients every year come down there. like, they got me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like, they know that your clients are coming in. They're like, we're going to get these folks. They're excited to go fishing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you do much uh, skiing in the winter up in uh, Jackson?
0: Yeah, I did. I, I did. I used to do a lot of skiing. Um, I had an injury in 2014 um, that kind of messed things up with my knee. That's not been the same. So um, I've kind of trended away from skiing a little bit and um, just trying to actually make a little bit of money. And I'm trying to do a little bit more travel and um, you know do a little more fishing actually. But yeah, going um, skiing
2: more is definitely not going to make you more money. That's that's a no one yeah. sure thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: I've definitely played like the whole like dirtbag scenario where you know ski like a hundred days or year or more, and um, it was super fun. And I would never trade any a drop of it for the world. I would trade everything back for it, um, to tell you the truth. But it's just not the way it is anymore.
2: So yeah. you mentioned. Uh... Some things that you want to like talk about today, and I think we're going to kind of be all over the board because it's, you know, it is kind of all over the board. But um, one last thing about guiding before we kind of hop into some of the other topics is do you have any advice for somebody who is like in that place in their life where they're where they're really considering becoming a guide, but they're not like sure how to take that plunge or if they want to take that plunge? Like, do you have a, one or two pieces of advice for that person that would help them out?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, try working in a fly shop. Um, because you're going to interact with those people that are going to go on guided trips and you got to see how you feel with those interactions. Like some people are people, people, and some people aren't. And I, like, I'm not a people person, but I can turn it on and be a people person when I need to be. And uh, like, that's your aspect. And you learn how to approach people and where to approach people and like their body language in the shop. I feel like, and I feel like when I'm, feeling out a new guest, uh, I read into you a lot. Um, your body language, if you show up on time, if you show up like 30 minutes before, like, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm playing you out for the day because you, you know, it's going to play out in your fishing. Like a lot of, a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people's emotions play out at the end of that stupid fly rod.
2: Tell (laughs) me, tell uh, me more. (laughs) yeah,
0: Yeah. And, uh, so that's what it is. But, uh, Yeah. So, um, yeah, I feel like try working in a fly shop. Um, you know, try talking to try talking to some guys. That's, that's probably the hardest thing is talking to other guys. Um, it seems like a lot of other guys don't like to be open sometimes and, uh, just trying to find that right guy and and feeling their body language and, and having the stamina to be like, Hey, like I'm interested. How do I go about this? And, you know, it might be a little bit, feel like that guy might be, feel like these guys toes stepped on a little bit. So um, it could be interesting, but I don't, I don't really see it that way. Um, You know, there's, there's new guys every day and it seems like you need a new one every, every minute. And I was a new one at 1.2 and nobody shows up with 10 years of experience. So, you know, you have to start somewhere and if you want to do it, I say, try it for sure. Um, It's not going to be for everybody. I see a lot of guys get into it and do it for just a couple years and kind of trend other places. But they always remember those years. So it is cool.
2: What about what about like actually getting your foot in the door? Like, do you think that working at a fly shop is the best way just because you're going to start interacting with these people and that kind of makes you the natural, like best person to take that next open uh, position when they're looking for it? But uh, or is there another way that you think like approaching to to get one of these jobs that's better?
0: yeah um like i think that like so there's kind of two scenarios that i've seen play out and like the one is the way i started at will dornan's and he wanted you to work in the shop for him a year for a year and uh um he wanted to make sure i think on that point he wanted you to work in the shop for a year because he had a hard time finding people working the shop so (laughs) you kind of had to pay your dues and that's a that's a big part of guiding is kind of trying to pay your dues a little bit and uh so you want to work in the shop and then he wants to make you sure you can show up on time. He, he wants to feel out how you are over a season. Okay. Cause a lot of people show up and you know, they're real bubbly at the beginning of the season and then they get a few trips into them and then the deterioration starts throughout the fall. And he wants to, I think that the way Will Dornan did at snake river angler is probably one of the smartest ways I've seen it. And then Darren Calhoun started a program um, this year that was an internship. And that was really cool. And he got a couple of enrolled tribal members, um, which is really, really important for the reservation and uh, because they should be guiding on their native land. And uh, we got, we got a couple of them into the program and uh, it's a really cool thing. They work in the shop. They would run shuttles. They would know how to do everything. Okay. So if something would happen, they know where they can step in or, you know, teetering down the the ladder if something happened they know where people might be in the strategy and uh they have one kid in the program Brayton I thought it was you know he's 19 he showed up and I'm like oh, like you know this kid's like, really young and like sleeping in his car and I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is, I, I, I like this kid already and uh you like started living in a camper next to mine with like no heat like all summer like I mean it didn't even the summer but the fall I was like man we need to get you a propane tank <laughs> but he was bagging it up and you know, he would go out with clients and like, you know, he started getting a little bit of trips and he started, you know, running the white water, and started getting the flow of the Canyon a little bit, which is, you know, not an easy thing. And, uh, but he started going up to Crowheart and started getting, you know, getting this, you know, feel up there. And he was on the bighorn a little bit. And, um, you know, I would kind of see his clients in the morning and be like, Oh, you fish with brain today. And they'd be like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, how was your day yesterday? And I really like that kid. And I'm like, yeah, like that's, you know what I like to hear, and you know I don't think they would tell them, but like I would go up to them and like pat on the back. You know what you're doing a good job. Like if they're not telling you, I'm telling you because somebody needs to. So I think those kind of programs are kind of really good. Um, I don't like guide schools. Uh, I don't think those are. I think they're they're too short lived. I think a week isn't going to prepare you for a lifetime. Um, I feel like I feel like programs like this where you actually like actually doing the job, but you're also trying to feel out the other logistics of what's going around is going to help it. But um, for foot in the door, I mean, <sighs> uh, sorry, I'm I'm a rambler. No, but uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, for foot in the door, I mean, you just got to apply. Um, and I feel like a lot of people these days, they always they talk and they never apply. If you don't apply, you'll never get in.
2: I can't speak to guide school specifically because I didn't attend one and I don't know a lot of people who have. I know a handful who have, but um, I guess, and so I'm not going to say anything about them or the quality of, of what they do because I've never, I had never experienced it, but I feel like guiding is more just like, do you have the right personality for it? You know, it's not, it's not a matter of your skills. Like there are skills that you can develop. um, And honestly, I feel like they're more related to, are you a good teacher than are, you are you the best fisherman on the river? Uh, you will probably become one of the best fishermen on the river if you're out there every day. But at the end of the day, being good guide is 80% being able to show someone a great time, um, and be able to handle situations when they come up. And as long as you know how to fish, then that's, that'll like the fish will come. Um, but I feel like that's just a matter of like, do you have the personality for that? You know, does it, do you feel Mm -hmm. comfortable around people? And, uh, rethinking things when it's not going as planned and just like thinking on your feet like all those things like that's not something you can teach in something like a guide school Um, you could teach kind of logistical things but at the end of the day like what you said the, the this guy who you know he sleeps in his car and he's just like so jazzed about it like that personality that just like you want it so bad and you're so excited about it like that's the kind of thing that you can't be taught and I feel like you just know it when you see it that that's the kind of person that like really fits in that role yeah
0: you know I mean, and he's a kid that would absorb information mm-hmm. too, absorbing information and listening to other people, even if it's sometimes hard to um, absorbing what they're saying and then just maybe portraying it as what you think it is. That's how you kind of, I feel like evolve. But like I told him, I was like, like, you know, you need to go to Chile. You need, you need to do a full-time thing. And he called me yesterday and he's like, yeah, I'm going to Chile. He's like, I got a job. I'm like, like yeah, like that's exactly you know, like I'm like if you don't apply, you won't get in. You know what I mean? You applied, you got in. Like you know, it's you know he's you know now he's 19. He's gonna you know be a full time guy. Um, and I'm I'm really pumped for him. Um, I'm. He grew up in Bozeman, so I think he might have had some of those fishing years in high school that like I didn't get because I lived at east. But uh um, I hope he did. But you know he is young, but he's enjoying it, and that's. The most most important part. Good for him. So yeah.
2: Um, switching gears a little bit. Uh, you said that you've been doing some saltwater fishing. It sounds like you just came back from a trip. Um, tell me tell me more about that. <laughs> like, is this new for yeah. you? And and how has it been going? Like switching gears to saltwater.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get into saltwater. It's not cheap. Um, so you know, I got to kind of trying to strat, trying to pick places where to go um, and times to go because my season is getting longer and longer and longer each year. So. Uh, um I just got back from seeing some family in South Carolina, uh, Charleston um area. So I went out with uh was Captain Pat Pearson um in Bulls Bay one day and uh, loved the area, but we had a tropical storm roll in um right before that and then it was kind of followed by like a weird cold front and uh we kind of discussed this on the way out and I was just like, you know, we've kind of had the vibe that it might not be the greatest day ever kind of going into it. And I was like, this is going to be a fun day. Like my uncle's out here and I've been fishing them a long time. Uh, we did that, but uh, transferring into that, but it was a sh- terrible day. I had <laughs> not very good fishing and, um, but I had a great day with Pat and we kicked it and he was like the best guy. And I just, I had the vibe all day from him that I'm like I'm coming back to fish with you again Pat. Like I know this is just the shittiest fucking scenario, I'm sorry. Um that we could possibly have and um you're working so hard. Like I kept telling him like dude, thank you for all of your work and he's working so hard. He's like trying so hard and like, you know, we got like four fish that we only saw tailing like, like vanished. And like, I was like, what happened? He's like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, I was just like, it's just what happens when kind of guides like care too much and they book gu- guided fishing trips. And like, it always just blows up in your face. Like when other guides come and pick trips with me from other places. It blows up my face sometimes about 50% of the time. It's just, it's, it's the way fishing is. It's fish. It's just fishing and there's no way fault. And like, it's, it's just weather. So, um, I, I, the biggest thing about saltwater fishing for me right now is just strategizing around weather. went to Costa Rica in April and had like six and a half foot seas on the first two days. I couldn't like, could barely stay under the boat and like, um, and that was, I had kind of like a four day window and like the last two days it just like tapered off and it just didn't work out, but I've had really bad luck saltwater fishing. <laughs> um, but I am really, really addicted to it for some weird reason. It's like gambling for me. I'm like terrible at it, but I just love pissing my money away.
2: Would you say that's that was like the biggest eye-opener for you in terms of like it being different? Because obviously there's a lot of things that differ between saltwater and freshwater water fishing, but like was that the biggest eye-opener where you're just like, man, you know, you could go down there for a four-day trip and never get weather that like really allows you. Whereas I wouldn't expect that. If I booked like a four-day trip to Wyoming, I'd expect that one of those days we're probably going to like crush it, you know, even if a couple of those days are yeah. bad. Uh, is that like the biggest difference or any other like notable differences yeah. you've seen?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's just like I would go down and be like, oh, sweet, like, you know, full moon, like, you know, like it's time to be good. And, like looking down the weather, I'm like, oh, it's perfect, perfect, perfect. And then like I look like absolutely at before every software trip, like two days before it, it'd be like, whoa, like huge rain, huge winds. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I mean, this has been like, i maybe went on like a dozen saltwater trips ever. Um, I haven't been on them much, um, but uh, probably about three of them have been like good weather. And uh, we had great fishing. But then I was talking to some other people about that and they're like, that's a great percentage.
2: Oh, And <laughs>
0: uh, I think I was like, okay, like, you know, a lot of other people get shitty weather too. So um
2: that percentage seems fine if you live on the coast, but if you're traveling every time to do it, like that's, that's not a, like a winning percentage.
0: I can't complain because when clients come out and you know, like the, I'm looking at the weather beforehand and I'm filling them in, and it backfires in my face, and I just have to be like, I want to be the perfect client when I'm saltwater fishing for when I, because I, I, guiding is in in bad weather, in bad conditions is way worse than fishing in bad weather
2: in yeah. bad conditions
0: because the guide is caring way more and he knows what's going on and it's just not happening. So in that scenario, I always feel worse for the guide in any scenario of that scenario. I'm just like, <laughs> just like we can call it early, like whatever you want to do. Um, Yeah, that's my saltwater. My saltwater has been very minimal, but I'm trying to get more into it.
2: Well, like you mentioned, I mean, how hard he was working... That's, I mean, I feel like that's kind of the case across the board. Like, when the, fi- when the fishing's good, you don't have to work that hard. Like, the fish are doing the work for you, but when the fishing's bad, suddenly you have to, like, kick it into high gear and, like, really put some effort in. And, like, sometimes people don't notice that, <laughs> that you're, like, working so yeah. hard, and they're like, yeah, we didn't catch anything. And it's like, if only you could understand, like, how much effort I was putting into you not catching anything.
0: Yeah. If it's really hard for me to cast into the wind, I'm like, yeah, if it's really hard for you to cast, it's really hard for me to row. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, it is. It's it, it's a funny scenario, when, you know, people haven't been in in the middle seat shoes, is what I like to call it. You know, like actually feeling what is going on in the real world <laughs> in the middle.
2: So, what uh, what species so, have you had some luck on saltwater?
0: Just redfish, really. Okay. Yeah, just redfish. Um, I'm trying to. I kind of spent like most of my afternoon trying to kind of find spots in like Puerto Rico. I'm kind of looking at that spot for March. Um I heard some beta down there. So I'm trying to maybe go get some tarpon fishing down there. And um but really just redfish. Um I'm trying to figure out kind of where I can go on my budget. Um it's uh fly fishing is an expensive sport. Um, and to do the really cool stuff you have a lot of money. Um, it seems. But you can, I'm trying to figure out the DIY steps. So it's just more in my realm. And, uh, you know, I, I like to fish for trout still too. So, you know, I fish the South Forks. I'm in the winter, and I go to pyramid every once in a while, uh, for like a week and do that kind of thing. So, you know, I try to like get out and just do things that are kind of maybe a little bit more in my realm. Um, I feel like, you know, I always get on like social media or something. I look and I'm like, oh man, like everybody's like everywhere you know like catch a permit and bonefish and sailfish and roosterfish and um i'd love to go do that it's so cool um but i can only kind of strategize so much time and in my schedule and my money to make guiding profitable (laughs) and not be a dirtbag my whole life
2: (laughs) worst things have happened though
0: I mean, it's really cool. I'm figuring out more and more of like where I can go and, and, you know, maybe get a cheap trip or, you know, maybe host a trip or, you know, I'm trying to, um, I have Scott Smith and Josh Galvin kind of um, mentoring me and Tom Montgomery on some kind of hosted trips. And they're trying to help me like figure out how to get into the, you know, doing that. Cause they're like, you, you love to fish and you should go see these places. And I, I really want to, they understand that. I'm just kind of a normal guy. No, I like to fish, but I can't afford it.
2: <laughs> well, it's tough because I feel like it's you. You hear this, you know, fly fishing so expensive, and I, I, when I first hear that, I feel the need to like push back. Like, no, you need like a rod, a reel, a couple flies, and like you can just walk out and start fishing for like 200 bucks. Um, But then, yeah, Yeah. if you want to like start to go places and fish, suddenly it does get really, really expensive. So it's kind of like this. It is and it isn't super expensive, depending on like what you want to do. But if you fish enough, you're eventually going to hit that point where you'd like to go see something new that you haven't seen before. And that's when it's like you're going to have to start uh, paying some money to get to these places.
0: Yeah, it's just a transformation in in your, you know, as in your angling career, you know, you start kind of trending towards other things you know i've caught a lot of trout um and just you know I, i'd like catch smallmouth or muskie, or you know i like pike fishing and um you know i like i like all sorts of fishing um i feel like you know trout when you catch trout like 180 days or plus series of days a year um it becomes a little you know I don't even know how to explain it. It's just repetitive. It's just repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. Um, you know, some fish you catch are awesome, and some of them are awesome small. But like, um, but uh, you know, it just gets repetitive. And uh, it's just cool to see. You know, just go to these other places and talk to other guys and see how they do things and how their life works. And you know, there is so much more to the sport. I always tell people than catching a fish, like that's like the 10%, like 90% of it is like whatever else you want to make it into. But, uh, it's not more, it's, it's more about experience. It's about, you know, seeing where you're
2: at. Fun with your friends, yeah. like seeing new places, all, like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Seeing new it.
0: places, uh, playing the chessboard, you know, figuring out the game, you know, uh, Finding other anglers, meeting other anglers, you know, whatever you want to get out of it. Um, It's so many things to so many different people, which is why it's so cool.
2: You want
0: to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest.
1: Oh. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.
2: Now, do you have any of these other species, like pike and smallmouth and stuff like that, near Jackson? Is I, I feel like it must be a little bit of a drive to get to some of these other species, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, uh, Idaho. We have some, like, three hours away in Idaho, okay. we have uh, some smallmouth um then that's a really cool fishery i get to do that every once in a while um and we do have some mirror carp fishing which is really cool um i did the johnny boyd carp classic uh at it's like a carp tournament over at uh, blackfoot reservoir this year um with two of my clients that i fish with the most they invited me to go they didn't have a third and i was like sure i'll go and um we saw tons of carp and it was really fun so we do that a little bit and um that was really fun and uh so i do that but we do i go down to colorado and do a little bit of the pike fishing down there with a couple buddies um and i really like that fishery a lot and um i i feel like pike are a lot like cutthroat like it's really cool and you get to see them eat but they don't really fight too hard (laughs) um for like their length like the first one i caught like with a buddy was actually fairly large like and uh he's like wow you're spoiled and i'm just like what like he didn't kind of do anything (laughs) and uh he's like yeah that's kind of pike i'm like well like they're just like giant cutthroat kind of you know like it's all about like seeing them eat and they just like lift your rod and it's like over and uh it was really cool i like them um uh it was we got like one to eat on a figure eight which was fun like i mean it's a it's a super fun scenario like so different they like opened my mindset like totally. And, um, it was really cool. I actually started tying some flies for trout off of some of those flies that I saw and they were working really well. Um, so I do, I like, I like to pop around and I'm going to start doing that more. Um, we caught a walleye on the fly, which was cool. And it has bug eyes and like, I mean, it was cool. Like, I mean, it has scales and like not skin. I was like, this is sweet. And, uh, yeah. So I like doing that. I really want to go for musky. Um, you know, we, I guess, you know, we, you have to hate yourself enough at one point to go chase musky, enough. So Yeah. You've got to dedicate
2: some time it. to it too. You've got to commit for a I while. Know.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. I gotta, I gotta figure out when to make time for that. But yeah, I mean, I feel like you just gotta go musky fish with the right guys. Cause it's just going to be a conversation all day. <laughs> so.
2: I gotta say, I've never heard someone compare Pike to cutthroats before. That's gotta be a first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry sorry i mean yeah i'm a little out of the out of ordinary when i compare things um but yeah i feel like they just don't really you know our cutthroat here in the snake um they're beautiful they're it's the most native fishery but like you know you'll get some really really hard fighting fish um but sometimes like you know four or five guides will, will pick on the same like fish in this little spot every day and like by the end of the summer like he just doesn't fight anymore he just like rolls over and comes in just like i'm i'm like we can't even hold this fish up anymore like he's so over it
2: (laughs) i mean i get what you're saying i i feel like cutthroat for me are more about it's more about getting them to take than it is the fight whereas something like i don't know a lot of the river fish like rainbows or browns um they'll put up a huge fight too but it's not necessarily difficult to get like a rainbow to rise um and i feel like that I, i see the comparison you're making with like pike and cutthroat where the The fun is in like everything up to when you hook them. And then you just like bring them in, take a picture and let them go. (laughs) But like, it's really fun to try to solve that puzzle of like, can I get it to take?
0: Yeah. Like some, uh, some fish, like I break the hook off uh, for clients and I'm like, you want to watch this fish eat like a couple times? And uh, (laughs) they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, try it. And we'll throw a little mayfly up there and he'll suck it down and like, he'll hold on to it too and bend the rod and like, it'll finally come out. He's like, no way. And uh, Mike will throw it back up there, and they'll like eat the same Mayflower. <laughs> like, he's like, "You want to see a third time? Let me let me color it purple." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, there's a third time. So,
2: I've heard of people think, doing that on think, steelhead.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a technique. It's 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 a really cool technique. I feel like I like to show uh, anglers that are setting the hook too quickly. Um, so I like to show them that you know like. They really like, you know, if they eat it at the right angle, they don't really spit it out that quick. I mean, I feel like they spit those nymphs out quick, but that's the delay in between the indicator and the fly. But um, when they eat a dry fly, like, and they go down with it, like, I mean, sometimes they go down, like they're they're not letting go.
2: Well, I wonder if maybe the idea behind that is that they, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm just speculating, but like if they come up and eat it my my guess would be that they would be more likely to spit it out once they've gotten back down to where they were and so you've got that like maybe yeah. one or two seconds of them descending before they're like i'm going to spit this out versus like try to spit it out while they're going back down whereas a nymph it enters their mouth and then they just immediately will spit it back out cuz they didn't have to move like they're just like this is it what i want it's gone um so i don't know if there's yeah. any like validity to that but it seems like i would probably want to do one thing and then do another thing and not try to like spit it out <laughs> while i'm still descending <laughs>
0: I know. And we put an amazing amount of thought into everything we think about when the fish <laughs> eats. It is, we have such big brains and they have such little brains. It is amazing how much thought process we put in to just leave it the end. We're like, oh, the angle. Or, yeah. You know, like. Yet they still you know, smart us every like, time. Yeah, they do. And <laughs> like, you know, he'll eat the fly. And I totally thought like he was like on a good hook set and it like comes clean. And the guys like, what did I do wrong? And my new saying now, I'm just telling people, I'm like, you know, like, he ate it wrong. He didn't want it that way. Like he ate it wrong. It's his fault. Like not your fault. Like I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Like
2: There are times fish- there's nothing you can do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um but it is what it is and um you know, fishing's fun. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um another thing that I said you wanted to talk about that um, I'm not sure if these two topics can kind of be combined, but like you mentioned um kind of the push toward taking care of our fisheries a little bit more, um and kind of tying that in with how a lot of places, and you mentioned specifically Wyoming in the summer, like temperatures are getting high, a uh, lot more people out there handling fish that maybe don't know how to handle fish and also kind of the uh, the rise of like the influencer world. I, I feel like all these things are kind of like intermingled. Uh, they all relate to each yeah. other. Um, yeah. So I don't know exactly where you want to take it, but I'd love to just hear your thoughts on all this stuff and like, you know, the pros and cons of like where we're headed um, in light of the, you know, the fact that we're hitting a lot of these warmer waters in the summer and, and fish are struggling.
0: Um, all right. Well, this is, I see how you're trying this, but, uh, we should, Wyoming doesn't have a hood outlaw system. Okay? okay. Like Montana. Um, so it is upon the guide to pull the plug when it is too hot and, you know, years since I've been here, it's, we haven't really had those hot water temperature years, um, like in the seventies in the snake. But uh, due to our drought and our really low reservoir, um, and we only have a 40-foot dam release, so it's not, like, necessarily coming off the bottom of the lake either. So it's a confusing scenario because everybody feels like it comes off the bottom of the reservoir. Not every dam comes off the bottom of the reservoir. They're 30, 60. They come off mid-level. Like, Idaho owns the top 40 feet of our lake. Um, so like that, all that water goes down to Idaho, it feeds all the way down to like Twin Bridges past, you know, all the way into Columbia. So, um, we don't have a hood law system and our, our waters are changing as in the reservoirs are getting lower, um, especially in Jackson and we're getting hot water temperatures and there's, it's kind of a divided system between guides right now because it's like a, he said, she said about the, um, at the thermometer. So it's like, you know, like I'll be like checking my, I'll, I'll throw it in, in the morning right when I get to the boat ramp. It's like kind of marking my flat. Go up, throw my thermometer in, and uh, go up, get my boat ready, go down, put the boat in, check them out. So I check the thermometer, look at that temp, see what I need to do to adjust when I'm going to check it the next time. So if it's so and so, I'm going to go to this time and check it this time. But if I'm at 12 o'clock, you know, I'm fishing, it's, 68 degrees i'm like oh okay we're we're done um i clip off their flies so like no one gets like a bright idea and uh we row out and i see other guys just like putting in mm. and um i'm not i don't want i'm we're not gonna get the names or anybody it's not it's it's weird because i don't think it should be upon what you think. And I think, and I think it should be more upon the state, um, to take care of the, they do take care of our fisheries. And I love Wyoming's game and fish and all of their, you know, officers, you know, they're all great people. Um, and they don't do anything wrong. It's not that it's just, there should be some type, they need to instate a law, um, if for certain elevations at certain water temperatures on certain rivers, um, that need to be shut off at one o'clock, two o'clock for huda just for the summer. Um, and it wouldn't be a big adjustment. Um and with more anglers and the everyone has to get a picture of the fish and always oh, has to be out of the water and like like with all of this going on um I just think that it's not gonna be a benefit um, to what's the future of wyoming fisheries um, and you know like the early mornings like you know during these hot water temperatures they're phenomenal they can be great fishing and you can see the trend of it turning slowly off um and it's not like you're not going to get great fishing through hot water temperatures. so i don't understand why we're fighting it but and it's not I don't feel like the guides want to be out there either at two o'clock in the afternoon, 90 degrees, sweating it out with a client, having bad fishing. Um, but they booked a full day fishing trip, but Earl didn't want to get out of bed till seven o'clock morning. You know what I mean? So like they're playing like the I want to do this because this is kind of what my my routine is.
2: Well, I feel like the law would help because then it would be like it's out of your hands. So you're not fighting the client. And I don't know if you've had clients that have like resisted this. I'm sure like the right person is like all in probably for for ending early to protect the fishery. But then you've got, like you said, the person who rolls in late, they booked a full day. But if but that puts it on you to have to be that guide who says we have to stop early, even though you booked this. Whereas if it was a state thing, you'd have I mean, it'd be like, well, the state says, you know, it's it's out of my hands. It's not my fault.
0: and and that that would be great or uh it could be a national park thing you know um it could be it could be anything i mean or not just that they could just do a daily enlightenment of people like post on social media or get out to people that are like where they're looking at you know their fishing reports and post it like uh our shop does a really good job like you know everybody comes in and sees uh bruce and bruce is like all right you know water temperatures are hot in the afternoon you know get out early you know best on this and this and this and they're really really adamant about it orvis does a really good job about it too um and there are people that are kind of notifying people but it's a fly shop so they just think that like they act like it's like we're like we're like oh you should try this fly you know what i mean but you should try fishing really early in the morning and uh basically from there it's like they just act as, as a kind of like a recommendation versus like a, a need. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where it's getting weird. It's because it's just like, everybody kind of treats like the hot water temperatures as a recommendation instead of the actual need. Um, and if we want them to get bigger and you want to like hold them up, you want to get your like two footer, you know, like everybody's dream, like you got to put them back and they got to live and they got to get through to the next year so they can grow. Like it's, it's just like my saltwater fishing, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you come out, you're like, yeah, okay. But this is our window. This is what we got to do, okay? It's just – it's it's evolving. You have to – this sport's about adapting. If, and if we can't learn to adapt, that's it. Um, So, yeah, I feel like it's just – it's terrible because I would – a couple times this year I'm like cutting my flies and um, I'm rowing out and I'm doing my thing and uh, – like, I pass other guides, and my clients leave me, like, well, they're fishing. And I'm like, yeah, they are. And he's like, well, you didn't say anything to him. I'm like, yeah, because I'm i just tired of, like, confrontation, man. I'm tired of, like, telling people, like, hey, you shouldn't be fishing. When he, yeah. like, probably knows you shouldn't be fishing. But he's doing it anyways because that's his he's doing today, I guess.
2: Yeah. Have you had much pushback from, from guests?
0: Just a couple. Most guests – um, I give them I give them the light down, and I'm pretty light with people all day, and I'm like really nice, and like you know they miss fish, and I'm like whatever man, I'm like it's trout fishing, we'll go get find another one. So I feel like they get my vibe, and then when they ask me if they can fish again, I give them a little bit of a, a serrated edge vibe, where I'm like no, and I kind of put the vibe out where I'm like no, we're not we're not we're not fishing, like the water temp's too hot, like. It'd be like you running away from a bear at a hundred degrees, okay? Like you're still not gonna, you're not gonna get away from the bear because you're the bear, okay? He's got a line connected to you, okay? But you're still gonna run away as fast as you can, okay? You're probably gonna die of exhaustion, okay? Well, don't you think? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, that's what's gonna happen to this fish. He's gonna like die of exhaustion because the bear is trying to get him. You know, it's just like you gotta think about it that way because there's a lot more anglers. Um, and we, if we're going to have more anglers and it's a good thing, we have more anglers. It's a growing sport. It's, it's evolving. It's helping everybody get into the sport and more guys get into it. But if we want to do this, we have to take care of these fisheries. Um, and that's going to be like, you know, exactly with water temperatures. It's going to be with handling fish. Um, if you can ask a lot of my clients between about June and august we don't touch very many fish Um, we net them i'd kind of take the hook out every once in a while i might hold up one for them Um, but we kind of release them in the water most of the time just because they come back year after year and um and we do i mean i'm not we all have fish that eat it wrong or or just sick and they die and it puts a weird light and vibe in the boat for the day and um it, it's not, it's not fun. You know, you, I've had guys just like catch really nice fish right after it. And all they thought about was that dead fish. And I'm like, you know, like that's all I'm thinking about too. So, um, it's all about kind of taking care of our fisheries and, and then and, and social media, is just kind of, it's kind of like, I don't know what to explain it as. It's a wild aspect. There are just people all over the place. I just like, popping up like look I see local anglers popping up all new you know like I'm like what is going on but it's more about like see me and I I don't know I fish because I I, this is because this is what I do when I sit in the middle of the sea that's like my comfy like my safe spot like I can relax and I feel like more centered than anywhere else in my life so um but I don't I like to hold up a big fish every once in a while, and I like to chase big fish. But I'm not out there to like show everybody, um, and I feel like that's kind of the vibe I'm getting more.
2: Have you noticed an an uptick in that? Like, I don't know if you've been guiding long enough to to have really seen a transition since at this point, social media has been around quite a while. But I do feel like in the past maybe five years, there's almost been a different an yeah, explosion that's near of. Right of like what you're talking about where the see me because i feel like social media for a while was just like i want to share what i'm up to with my friends which i feel like that kind of social media use is really not the problem you know like here's a picture of me on a hike with my friends like no one's no one's like upset about that it's the i'm doing this thing i wouldn't have done before because i want attention for it from strangers and that i feel like shifted what people are doing where now they're doing like things they wouldn't normally do because of this, I like, wanted pressure. to say it that way, but
0: I did. <laughs> I didn't want to say it that way, but I'm glad you said it that way. Um, but yeah, that's the absolute vibe I'm getting, and yeah, uh, that's it, really. I mean, it's yeah.
2: <laughs> have you seen a shift? I mean, like, it. as long as you've been guiding, has that has that changed since when you first started to now, or is it kind of always been that way? Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, yeah.
0: It's definitely changed. Yeah, um, I didn't have. I don't think I, I had an Instagram when I first started guiding. Um, And then I got one for guiding. Um, And then now I'm like, it's an interesting concept because I'll give you a scenario. Like I'm guiding in the Wind River Canyon and, you know, I follow this guy on Instagram and fishes, you know, I see him on the bank all the time and he seems like a nice guy, whatever. But like he comes up with a crew and, you know, it's like, They get like a bunch, I see them, they take a bunch of photos and then it's like a 10 day cycle of photos. Yeah. 15 day cycle of photos because they can run the social media, like through like the weird cyber world and uh, get their face up. And I don't know, I don't know why they do it, but like, um, but I'll see him post something and I'll drive up the next day with the shuttle driver and I was coming down and there were eight people fishing in the exact spot he posted and the day bef- from the day before and i'm like this is a little bit of a disadvantage this social media right here cuz i'm like the whole whole place is open but everybody is right here and it's just because they're following by curiously so through somebody else it's like a, it's like a game for people like they're always like strategizing they're like oh where's this guy like i'm looking at the background i'm trying to get on google earth like where do you think this guy goes oh i saw him heading north out of town you know like two days ago blah 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 you know what i mean so it's like a strategy so it's like it's weird it's it's a weird it's a weird vibe um but yeah i mean it's, it's a it's a see me um and i think we i think we all had maybe that stage um a little bit like you post like a couple you get you know good good year and posting up some big fish photos and having a good time and um but then you realize kind of there's repercussions to that um and i did that once and i i had some repercussions um you know i, I had some friends that you know weren't happy with me and i'm you know i apologize and they were totally right i probably shouldn't have posted those photos of those fish and um then you know I, and then i also had people you know, starting to get, you know, people start getting noticed. They start asking, you know, I mean, that's a cool thing, but um, we have to guard something that's a natural resource and the fish spawn and make new fish, but it's not necessarily a new renewable resource. Um, and that's kind of the way I'm looking at it nowadays. It's not as a renewable resource. So Instagram could be just I just don't feel like a lot of people are looking at it that way through social media. They're just kind of like, I'm going to the spot. I'm going to go, I got these flies and flash App, They're going to work really well. I'm going to like dredge this hole in nymphs all day. get a pig or stand here all day and not let anyone else fish here all day. Kind of thing. There's fisheries now where like, if you don't get there at 6am for like, if you're like fishing for rainbows, which are not necessarily my favorite fish ever. Um, but like I've watched guys like I got there like 6 a.m. and I was like five minutes behind them. They walked in the spot. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I was like fish down here for a few hours, come up. And they stand there all day. And they and it just went on for weeks and uh, weeks. And it was just like that. But it was like that guy. And then I got online. And I was like, oh, here's his 10 day, 15 day cycle of photos.
2: From that okay. one spot.
0: I'm like, From that one spot. But like he's not like willing to share it with other anglers or like. Do anything out of this realm. He's just there's it's greed. Instagram is a lot. Of, there's a little greed in that stuff.
2: Well, what do you think the end goal is? Because obviously there's the attention of like look <laughs> at me, but but where does that go? I mean, I I suppose it could could end in like a sponsorship or you get hired by some company to make content. But apart from that possibility, which is kind of slim, that that's going to actually go somewhere. You know, really meaningful for you, like. What, what? What's the end goal?
0: I think it just ends up in fucking cyberspace. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, I mean, yeah, they're gonna get older. They're gonna have a kid, and they're gonna like get out of it. And like all their followers are gonna start like start slowly unfollowing them because they're gonna like start posting kid, like baby pictures every day, and like they're just gonna trend into <laughs> the fucking s-
2: circle of life.
0: Exactly the circle of the Instagram fly fisherman. You know the five year turn. And, uh, it's weird. Like I, I'd almost give up everything to go back to being 14 years old on a bike with my dog and like, you know, just chasing bass and like, you see another angler and you're like super happy, but like, you know, like he's like, he could take a picture and show like 10 people, you know what I mean? But now people take a picture and show 50,000 people.
2: Well, you know what's weird too is that when someone does that and they all flock to that one spot, it's not like that one spot, it's like that fish is going to be sitting right there. I mean, it's, yeah, fish do have like territories. They, they kind of hang out in the same spot. But I feel like people think that I show up to this exact run and this is the answer to all my problems. Like, well, <laughs> you know, like you could <laughs> yeah. the whole river is here and there's more fish like this, like all these other places. And showing up to this one spot is not going to mean that you're going to have the same experience that that person did, you know, three weeks ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and half these guys don't realize when they post a photo of that spot, it was from like three months ago. <laughs> so like, you know, they all flock there and there's like nobody there. And I mean, it's like a kind of like a cat and mouse game, how they're playing it. But I just feel like it's just not organic anymore. Like it used to be. And I feel like when you find something organically, um, not vicariously through a cyberspace, like, it's gonna be more unique. And it's gonna be more special, and you might even realize these things that we're talking about. You know,
2: <laughs> like, well, it's weird. I went through. So, I feel. I feel like I went through, not not to this length, but there was a period of time where I found myself, I like I'd be out on the water and I'd be thinking about how I was going to like create an Instagram post around this. And it was, it started to like kind of ruin. And I never had like a big following. I was not anywhere near what I would call an influencer. I just like was excited to like show people things. But, um, It was like starting to ruin it for me because I go out and be like, "Why am you know I didn't catch anything, so now I'm like really bitter about it because I don't have anything to show people and like I didn't actually enjoy myself and like why was I even out there? And I came to a point where I decided that I like I don't really post um much of myself on social media. I use my Instagram to promote the podcast and stuff, and I'll occasionally share a picture, you know, now and then. I probably share maybe five pictures of myself throughout the year uh, but it has like completely fixed that problem for me like I enjoy myself so much more now when I'm out because I'm not thinking about oh I didn't catch a big enough fish to like brag about or um, but the picture I got of that fish it was flopping and it's all blurry and like now what like I just don't care and I'll like come back and show my friends and be like oh look at this fish I caught and like talk to them about it because that feels like real hey hey five friends come over and like look at this picture and then we all talk about it and they want to hear the story and it's like it's a real experience there but that is like completely fixed that feeling for me and I feel like if more people gave that a try they might realize that hey I actually like fishing a lot more when I'm not worried about it the whole time
0: yeah um I did a whole thing where a lot of my clients we we go out sometimes on like a weekly basis through the summer or or you know I have a lot of people just repeatedly and you know they're trying, we're trying to chase the bigger fish, and uh, you know, I'd so be like, How big is this one? How big is this one? And I'd be like, ah, you know, I like this, you know, blah blah blah. And you know, end of September, I was just like tired, and uh I kind of was thinking to myself, and I'm like, you know what? For October, I'm not gonna measure any fish, I don't care what size they are. I'm like, it can be the biggest fish I've ever seen in my life. We are not measuring it. And I stuck to my guns all October. And some clients were like looking at me cockeyed. But I'm like, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, what was your favorite fish today? He's like, big one. I'm like, yeah, okay. But like, what was your second favorite fish? Oh, that one that jumped. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Like, you know, like it's not about this size. It's not about, oh, I'm gonna post this and like all oh, these people are gonna ooh and on ah, like. I mean, we all like, we all like to catch a huge fish and we all like that photo of ourselves. I don't, I'm not going to call myself like sitting in the parking lot every once in a while. just like flipping through my phone from like June, just being like drooling over like big browns that we got and having a great time. But like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's what you get out of where we're going. And it's just like the influence of the influencer with the size and the demand. and. I'm doing this and I'm catching this big fish and I'm like, I'm the man or I'm the gal or, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, that's not our sport and it's not what it was intended to be. And a social media platform is changing our sport and we need to recognize that. And we need to bring it back to life. Like we need to, we need to like, it needs a little different vibe.
2: Now, now, I have to ask you: like, if I if I came to you and said, "What's what's your favorite fish you've ever caught?" Like, if you can think of one, I bet it's not the biggest fish you've ever caught. Am I correct in saying wow. that?
1: I don't know if I have
0: one. Um, or if, if
2: i just like if, if you're just like thinking of some of your favorite fishing memories it doesn't have to be like your favorite your favorite one or whatever like a specific fish but just like i'm sure you kind of have like a camera roll in your mind of like oh that was a good time that was a good time and i have to imagine like for me at least when i'm thinking back on those um i can think of the handful of biggest fish i've caught and most of them are not what come to mind when someone says what's like a f- one of your favorite fish you've caught like I think of this one brook trout I caught that was like really, really colorful and was maybe seven inches long. Like that one always comes to mind for me. Um, And it was just in this like backcountry stream with one of my friends. And it's like it would have it would have belonged nowhere on like someone's wall. Like it would it it wouldn't fit at all because it was so tiny. But it was just like everything else about it was so memorable to me.
0: I, I mean, it's so hard to I don't know if I have a favorite fish because it's not about the fish for me. Um,
2: well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like yeah. fish that you liked because of everything that went around them.
0: Yeah, like I went. Out, I think one of my favorite days this year, I went out like with some guides, uh, some of the younger guides, and uh, we're having a really fun day and like you know, we're bonking them a little bit. And I finally looked at them and I'm like, "This is too easy, boys." Like, switch hands. <laughs> and uh, they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "We're all fishing left handed the rest of the day." And they uh, like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Like, you're gonna feel like what a client feels. And uh, like, oh okay. So we fished left-handed like the rest of the day and we like had a ball and like, you know, drank some beers and we talked about the rest of the week. We were like, oh man, so fun fishing left handed. And like you'd miss a fish and you'd have to like kick a shoe into the river or something. <laughs> like that's some like weird rules. But uh it was just like we were just like kicking it and like we didn't really care and like we caught some big fish and um we didn't care. Yeah. Um it was just it was just like it was organic.
2: Just like you know? plain old fun.
0: It was fun. It was like it was like it was like a kid moment. And like a client told me one time, like, you know, as soon as you start fly fishing, like you stay that age. Like, you know, like inside. Like, you know, like you might go and like do things throughout the world and do blah blah. But like if you're if you start fly fishing at that age, when you go fly fishing, you're always gonna feel like that age. You know what I mean? And uh, I was like, That's brilliant. So like I think about it like that. I'm like, I just try to think about like being more simple because we have such complex lives and like we're out there to like kind of let that go, you know? We're here we're out here to catch the fish and like yeah, I guess we have a little bit of a job to do, like it's always good to have a motion, but we're out here to kind of like let all those things go.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Like bringing a little bit of the the realism back to like why why we started this in the first place. Um, which for, for most people, it's just that they tried it and they were like, this is awesome. Like, I just love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, I know, I know we talked about how you're not super active on social media, but, um, if people want to find you online or if they want to book a trip with you, where's the best place for them to come find you?
0: Um, you, they can find uh, my social media at, uh, at fish under dash with under dash Fiorini. Um, and, uh. They can find me there. Uh, they can also kind of call uh, the Grand Teton Fly Shop or Wind River Canyon or Big Wind River um, and kind of get them to kind of get a hold of me a little bit. Uh, I have a little bit different schedule than everyone else, um, so they kind of have to call and check in just because I'm all over the place. Um, so uh, you know, it's it's hard to get in with me. I usually kind of have like a 16 month window where you can get in, so it's an advanced booking. Um, So if you want to come and fish with me, it's awesome. Um, Just, just get in early and uh, we'll get you some dates and we'll do good. And yeah, if you end up coming to Jackson, hit me up. Uh, If it's not hot water temperatures, we'll go out evening or something. Um, So.
2: Sounds good. I would actually love to experience some warmer temperatures in Jackson because last time I was there, it was like negative <laughs> 20 something. So <laughs> it'd be nice to see yeah, it in the subscribe. summer.
0: <laughs> negative 14 tomorrow. So oh, um, not jealous yeah, of you there. I'm not going to get up too
2: early. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you have well, to worry awesome. about uh, the river getting too hot, at least.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cool off for the fish. <laughs> so.
2: All um, right, Nick. Thanks for
0: having me on here.
2: Yeah, thank you for joining us. a kind of fun and uh, hopefully we'll get to fish together at some point. Uh, maybe maybe Nick can come back from Japan and we can all go out together. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> sounds good. All, all right. right. Take it easy. All
2: right, you too. Talk to you later. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to head over to the website, fishuntamed.com for all episodes and show notes. And also please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. That'll get my episodes delivered straight to your phone. And also, if you have not yet, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating or review. That's very helpful for me, and I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, Other than that, thank you guys again for listening, and I will be back in two weeks. Bye, everybody.